0: Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. I'm your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake Guiche, and I'm so pumped to be bringing you season two of this show, packed full of more people telling incredible stories of who God is and what he's done. Today's interview is with Peter Damos. Peter is a restaurant owner, father, husband, and author of his book, Afraid to Trust. Today, we talk about his journey from growing up in church, to becoming an atheist, to returning to Christ, and the radical impact that had on his life, family, and business. Peter, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me be on here.
0: So you wrote a book, right? Afraid to Trust. uh, Yes. One Man's Journey into Love of God. And so... To get us started, as with every interview, I want to give you the chance to tell us about yourself and tell us about your book.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. So um, uh, I'm in the I'm in the restaurant business. Been in the restaurant business uh, pretty much my whole life. I Actually took a little brief hiatus to become a lawyer, um, but but left came back into the restaurant business. And um, you know, but but I I, I grew up in a like I just grew up around the restaurants and. Uh, but also grew up around church, and I went to church for most of my life. And and um, uh, but uh, but I grew up in church and not grew up in Christ. And so, although you know, my parents did what they thought that was they were supposed to do, um, I kind of um, I, I became very um, antagonistic toward toward uh, Christians and toward the church. Uh, and, you know, and from that, uh, shortly uh, oh, about seven or eight years ago, is when I found Christ and I got saved and then said okay i'm turning everything over to you and when i did that included my business and included my family included all sorts of things and that's what that process is so the so the book itself is is a Um, it's really an account not only of how I got there, but also kind of what happened after I did and learning how to handle the, you know, how to handle problems and fears and anxieties once I became a Christian. And so, and I've told them kind of a narrative form so that people can apply it and there's a practical aspect of it, but it's not like a textbook type style. So so that's kind of the, that's kind of where I am and why I'm sitting in front of you now.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I I love that you're open about the fact that you were, antagonistic and pretty like in, it wasn't like you were lukewarm you were like anti-christianity you know,
1: you know the funny thing was you know i kind of grew up okay you know I, and I like i said i had i had the little blue picture bible books and you know so i knew the stories like I, said, I went to church went to sunday school we, you know, we had to go all the time and what ended up happening was is um, I met what I, what I now term as firefighter Christians. They're the Christians that put the fire out. Um, mm. And and they were um, mean. The kids, I went to a Christian school and they were mean. Um, you know, the, the my youth group was mean. I mean, it was just everywhere I turned and finally kind of got to a point where it's like, I'm not going to take it anymore now. I'm going after you. And instead of having enough maturity to understand that there's a difference between a Christian and someone who says something in the name of Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a big difference between the two. And so I started attacking all Christians and it was kind of, and I really got very antagonistic. Um, Never got to a point where I said, oh, atheism is the way, because I truly kind of believe there was a God I just didn't, didn't know what it meant. And so I finally even settled on the fact that God's like an absentee landlord. You know, Mm. he's up there. I'm here. I got to pay rent every now and then. When the pipes burst, I'll ask him for help. Other than that, I don't have to deal with them. And as long as we stay apart from each other, we're okay. I do some good things. I'll get in heaven. And that was kind of where I ended up. And, um, yeah, obviously not right, Uh, (laughs) not (laughs) biblical, but that was, that was my view. I kind of settled on, but even then I still like, even at work, like, um, people were not allowed to say, God bless you. You know, I like They would, they would wow. get documented for that, for that phrase. And, you know, I cared about making certain that nobody could get offended by Christianity. And, you know, so that was kind of my, that was kind of my approach. Um, even though I was, yeah, so, so yeah, at best I was lukewarm, but most of the time I was pretty anti-Christian.
0: Well, and I think that a lot of people would probably resonate with having their Christianity or their relationship with God pretty deeply impacted by, like, actually crappy Christians. Like, not crappy Christians in the way that, like, we jokingly talk about it on the show, but, like, people who are actually (laughs) doing harm to the name of Christ, right?
1: Right, right. You know, and, and, and I do agree. And I, when I talk with people now, you know, that's what I, that's what I hear a lot. And, you know, and the problem is, is, you know, we're defining Christianity based off of people Mm -hmm. and not defining Christianity based off of Christ and based off the word of God. Mm -hmm. And so most of the time when I speak with these people, like myself was included, Really hadn't read the Bible. We may have read parts of the Bible. Like I studied the Bible in order to antagonize Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, I read the Scopes Monkey Trial transcript so I can learn the questions Clarence Darrow asked against William Jennings Bryant. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was, I studied the opposite side so I knew enough right. verses just to antagonize people. But, you know, we we define it in that sense. And then the way I have to explain it to people is, you know, if you are, you know, if if your doctor tells you to stop smoking, to um, eat healthy, then, you know, and, and so you can have a healthy heart. If you see that doctor smoking and eating, mm. you know, fried, greasy food, does that mean that his message is wrong? No, mm. it doesn't. So it's not like, the, you know, and we can apply it in all aspects of our life. So what we have to determine is, is what does God say? And then we have to spend time in that word. And then once we can kind of introduce them to that piece, then we'll let the Holy Spirit sort them out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then that, then that's when, that's when that part takes place. But we do, we have to get away from the fact that Christians are defined by pastors. Christians are defined Mm -hmm. by somebody that that says this, because uh, we're all, we're all sinners and we all Mm -hmm. fall short of the glory of God. All of us do. That includes the person that stands behind the podium. It just, you know, depends on how far short, we don't know.
0: (laughs) Right, no, but, there's but, but. one of my favorite comedians. One of his uh, like specials is literally called "Lord, Deliver Us From Your Followers," <laughs> and he's like joking about like how what a terrible name Christians can give. A God that is looking down on the things that they're doing and saying and being like, no, 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 no. Like that's not it. None of this is it, you know? And and I that is so much of the heart of this show is to be like real and authentic and have conversations that people aren't having. And I think so often people aren't people feel uh maybe like ashamed or like embarrassed that they h- had access to God in their youth and like didn't, you know, didn't walk in that their whole lives. And I think it's really refreshing to have somebody be like, look, Christians burnt me. And so I went the other direction and like, but God in his goodness and faithfulness, like didn't let me stay that way you know yeah
1: you know and, and what's interesting is I, I run across two types of people there's people like me that was really went to the to the extreme and then there were were people like my wife my wife grew up with seven southern baptist preachers in her family you know she uh, gave her life to Christ very early on and then she just plateaued and and matter of fact she has a chapter in the book um, and the chapter in the book is titled jealous of Jesus and so when I got Saved, you would think that she would be like, "Oh, this is awesome." In fact, she didn't like it because she all of a sudden moved from number one in my life to number two in my life, mm. and and then she became literally, as she says, jealous of Jesus. So, yeah. so now, so so she had to struggle with that, and she had to learn how to get past that plateau and when she started seeing the change and the fire in me and started hearing stuff that she never heard, never experienced, never saw. then she's like, I want to know more about this person, you know, and I want to know more about you know, the, the, the the Holy Spirit and I want to know about, you know, more about Christ and what the Bible actually says. And, and so she had to have a different type of breakthrough than I have mm-hmm. because, you know, that's a, you know, there, there's so many, it's just I like, check the box. Hey, I'm good. And, you know, and one of the things that I encourage active Christians, especially kind of newer is uh, take, just go to the gospels, get a red letter Bible, go to the gospels and only read the red letter words and see Mm -hmm. what Jesus says. Mm -hmm. And you'll see even in, in Matthew and in Luke, he never says, say the prayer, never Mm -hmm. says, say it. I'm like, if it, so important. Wouldn't it be in all four Gospels? You know, right. follow me, be obedient, forgive others. That's all in all four Gospels. You know, mm-hmm. so why is it so we focus so much on the one prayer and then we're like, oh, we're done. We're good. And I can live life I want. Yeah. And right. and so I think a lot of times, but but since they're saying they're good and those who are on the outside looking, looking in saying, wow, well, they say they're good. I don't want to have anything to do with them. <laughs> And, you know, so I think it creates this, this problem, especially in Western Christianity. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that kind of segues into the other thing we wanted to talk about, which is essentially like being a believer in business and specifically within the restaurant world. We were talking a little bit before we started recording that that industry does not lend itself to Christianity. A lot of the times it's, it's not to say that it doesn't, but a lot of the time, like I worked in a restaurant for a long time. My husband did. And I feel like there's this weird, like dark, like underbelly, like to the <laughs> restaurant world. Do you, did you find that?
1: You know, it's funny. Um, so I grew up in it. You know, I was right. my, my I'm fourth generation restaurant, a restaurant operator. So I've been around it my whole life. Um, my father got back in the business when I was one. He started the restaurant that I'm currently operating um, now. Um, and uh, we, we just celebrated 30 years of an existence. And okay. so, yes, to to yes, I've seen kind of that. But what I think part of the issue is, is this, is when you choose a career, people that go into the restaurant have a job in the restaurant, usually for one of two reasons. It's a first or second job. They're needing to do something to kind of get through to their next step or they made some really bad decisions in their life and no one else is going to hire them mm-hmm. you know so as a result they, they were bringing in an immaturity with a hardened reality that kind of combine into the, this this um, microcosm of a restaurant yeah. and so so we've always I've always been around it so for me me, it wasn't anything new or unusual or weird until I started talking to other business owners and I'm telling them the stories like this is normal and they're like oh Ooh, no
0: <laughs> no and that description is so accurate like and not to to stay on this point for so long but that the immaturity with like the hardened experience it really is what creates it because I can think back to I mean my it was my first job I was like 14 and I was for sure exposed to things that I was like should not should not have been able to do at that age. So, what has like shifting that environment? looked like for you as a believer.
1: So, so again, we were in existence for 23 years before I found Christ. So, so we were, we were a good place to work. You know, we treated people well, we were honest, we were, you know, there was nothing like that, that stood out. Obviously we were successful because we've been around for 23 years. Um, you know, we had, you know, four locations. Um, and So, um, we had other restaurant concepts as well. So, so, and we looked at employees as someone you got to take care of, but truthfully, you know, if I really, really look into it, I took care of an employee the way I take care of a piece of equipment you know, you got to treat them nice. You got to do the stuff. You got to maintain, you got to take care of them, et cetera. But you know what, if they break, you just go buy a new one, you know, and there was nothing every now and then there would be a person that would capture, you know, capture me, you know, where we would have a conversation and, you know, deeper and learn about their problems and want to help them out. You know, we loan them money or whatever, you know, whatever we needed to do to help them in their situation. But, but once I became a Christian it was, it was interesting. So, so when, I, when I found Christ and I met him for the first time I, and I told him, I said, I'm giving everything to you. Then I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Mm. You know, Christian speak is notorious oh. for just saying <laughs> words and not knowing what it actually means when you say it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so how does that, what, what does that look like? And so, for, and then a couple of weeks later, I heard at my church, a guy named Lance Lambert came and spoke and Lance is with God right now, but he, he made the comment. He said, the people of England, the children of England do not know the stories of the Bible anymore. And it's happening in America too. And I'm like, no, it's not, you know? I, I don't. And so I started talking to our employees. And so when they would make a mistake, I'd be like, Hey, that's okay. You know, do you know the story of Abraham? Mm. Two out of twelve people knew the story of Abraham. Oh, Three God. out of twelve knew the story of Moses. Now these are major Hollywood, you know, production yeah. characters of the Bible, you know. So right. we're not talking about Hezekiah. You know, hey, do you know who Elisha is? Right. <laughs> you right. know, you know, it's like we, the, we're the still... names that
0: you literally cannot pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> yeah. there are movies about these people. There are <laughs> cartoons about these people.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. In that, in that in that generation I'm talking to, mm-hmm. there was a cartoon about it. And and three out of 12 and I'm not a hundred percent certain they're telling me the truth. You know, they probably mm. were just saying yes, just because I was asking, you right. know? And so, <laughs> and so when I, uh, so I was like, okay, well, well, God, this is obviously where you've led me to. And so I need to share and talk to them about it. And again, I'm new, so I don't know, you know, exactly what that looks like. I'm reading my Bible every day. Like I can't get enough. I'm reading Christian books you know, I went through my first Bible reading in six months in addition to probably 10 other, 10 other books, you know, written by, by, by various authors, et cetera, trying to understand like what was going on with me. And, Mm -hmm. and so, and then, and, and obviously, you know, continue to read it every day, but, but at that point in time, so I'm trying to understand, you know, how I'm supposed to act, you know, and what I'm supposed to be doing for Christ. And, and, you know, so, but most of my leadership wasn't Christian, you know, Mm -hmm. so for them, I went insane. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when you're in your forties and you announce your baptism, people will take you out thinking you're dying. Mm -hmm. Um, So I got a lot of free lunches. That was awesome. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And so... Um, you know, they, and, and so as I started to get kind of talking about it, you know, that, you know, people would just kind of look at me crazy and I realized, okay, I got to kind of slow it up and introduce it slowly just because I experienced it. They have no idea what it is. And so we started seeing, sort of seeing some of that change. And even from the non-Christians, they started seeing it. So, uh, and, and, you know, we, we, although we didn't, necessarily make changes such as you know this is what we're doing and we're like before we were cheating you out of your paycheck and now we're not you know nothing like that uh, technically because
0: right. it was a good company to work at before it's not like yeah. you, had to, you were trying to overturn some like really terrible environment but i would think like as a, becoming a believer it would impact it
1: it, it did and, and in fact in fact after uh, about two years after uh, after i got saved we got voted ninth Best workplace in Middle Tennessee by the employees, and and uh, and and uh, last year we were voted fifth top workplace of large That's employers. Amazing. We're the only restaurant and that all got voted into it. But part of it is you know we brought in a chaplain. Uh, we have chaplains now that work for us. Um, we have um, you know we would um, and you know we would talk and allow. And then I found that the boldness of other people is. Where the, I was keeping them silent before, just yeah. them seeing my boldness created an opportunity for them to be bold and gave them a reason to. So we have so many things that are going on at different stores that have no idea. Like you walk in and you're like, "Oh, there's a prayer board. Where did that start?" You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, and you know, so so we started kind of creating and seeing this just by doing just simple things, sharing the gospel, trying to help make disciples, and praying for people. I mean, mm-hmm. that is really, really, when it boils down to it, all the other stuff I can mess up. Like, you know, like, you know, I I, I have fun academic debates with people of the role of civil disobedience as far as Christianity goes. But you know what? That's just neat. That's kind of an interesting conversation topic. Right. That's not who I am. I am a child of God and my job is to share the gospel. (laughs) You know? And so I can boil it down to that.
0: It really is that simple. So let's talk Enneagram for just a second. Today's episode is sponsored by the Christian Enneagram Club. Y'all know how much I love the Enneagram. So if you've been looking for a place to grow using the Enneagram along with your faith, this is for you. The Christian Enneagram Club is all about using the Enneagram from a Christ centered perspective with on demand video lessons, monthly coaching calls, and a private community to connect with other members. It's only $27 a month. So the doors for registration will open May 1st through 3rd. Head to Christian Enneagram dot club and sign up so that you don't miss it. Christian Enneagram dot club. It sounds like you changed or or shifted the environment of your restaurant just by being who you knew you were in Christ.
1: Well, that. Yeah, that was part of it, you know, but because I didn't know who, because Christ wasn't in me before. So when I became that new creation that Paul talks about, when I become that new creation, you know, all of a sudden then I don't, I'm not doing it because I'm a Christian. I'm doing it because I feel compelled to, because I'm doing it for my Lord and Savior, you know, and And that's been done for you. Yes, and I mean, it's just huge, and I want other people to experience it. I want other people to be saved, and I see the, the fear and anxiety in people that I used to have, mm-hmm. where on the surface, Facebook, I looked awesome, you know, but, but oh, we all. you know, but... <laughs> you know, my, my family was great. I mean, my business was always successful even, but, but deep down, you know, I was scared. I was all this other stuff. And I was trying to control every single thing around myself Mm -hmm. to the point where I couldn't even function anymore. Um, and, and then once that all that burden and all that fear went away, you know, then that's when I'm like, okay, now this is kind of where, and it became a lot more clear. And I, a lot of times when I pray, one of my prayers, one of the things I say frequently is clear. The, fog because that's how I feel like I felt like there was just a fog that was cleared and it's just like oh this is what I'm supposed to do
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) and so the last like thing I wanted to talk about is that as a believer I think we're kind of essentially called to define success differently right right? we still want to success like we still want to succeed we still want our efforts to produce good things I talk a lot in like my space and my platform that like Hard work is biblical. There's nothing wrong with celebrating victories because like success is an indicator that what you're doing is working. And if you're working unto God, then like cool. But how like, did you find that your definition of success had to to shift?
1: Yeah, so so there's a there's another there's another kind of big section in 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 the book, Afraid to trust, because we had opened up a new restaurant. We were in the process of building and planning a restaurant when I got saved.
0: And all of a sudden we're like,
1: okay, wait a second. We need to do this, this, and this. We need to, and so we started taking more of a stronger, you know, Christian stance on it. Yeah. And everything about that restaurant that could have gone wrong went wrong. And when I say everything, it was, it was a nightmare and it impacted everything in the community with other people, my friends, you know, that were friends I I use in quotations. Uh, you know, they, they, um, you know, they, 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 kind of disappeared and, you know, so just everything just kind of crashed. The only thing that was really that I, that I, that I had before, which God had already saved through my wife was our marriage and, and so all of that kind of got into, into place and into, you know, but everything else was just crumbled. And, and so, you know, but at the same time we were seeing salvations occur. Like the first person I led to Christ was inside that restaurant, wow. you know? And so as I, um, so, so, so one of the things that I kind of realized again, and looking at what the Bible says and what Jesus asked us to do by sharing the gospel, when he asked us to share the gospel, We realize that he's not asking us to make converts. He's not asking Mm -hmm. us to do that. He's asking us to share. So the definition of success changes, not to the end result, Mm -hmm. but literally once we share, we have succeeded. Mm -hmm. So what I see when I talk to people is they have an overwhelming sense of fear of sharing. People are going to think I'm crazy. They're going to make fun Mm -hmm. of me. I'm going to be, you know, all this. They're basically afraid of who I was 10 years ago. (laughs) Right. (laughs)
0: They're they're afraid of people
1: like me. and um,
0: Who can't like know the other side and can rip them apart and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, And I know, you know, and and
1: so because of that, you know, because that's our definition of success, it doesn't matter their reaction. Mm -hmm. That's between them and God. Our reaction is to share the gospel. And then once you learn and understand what fear really is. You know, and, you know, fear is not, the, the opposite of fear is not courage. And we like to sit there and say, oh, wow, if I just become more courageous, then, man, things are going to just be, I'll be so much stronger. In reality is, is the opposite of fear is trust. Mm. You know, if I'm afraid that my wife is cheating on me, it's because I don't trust her. But if I trust her, I don't have that fear anymore. Yeah. You know, um, and so... And we, it manifests in different ways. It may manifest in anger or jealousy or, or a paralysis. You know, I mean, it, it manifests in all different ways. But in reality is, is it goes to trust. So what we ought to do is, is when every time we are afraid and we're writing out, you know, we just write it on a piece of paper. You know, I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid people at work are going to make fun of me. Mm. And what instead, we then scratch out those words and write above it, I don't trust God to take care of, take care of it when people make fun of me. Because in reality, that's what we're saying. And then we need to confess with our mouth out loud to him and say, hey, I don't trust you in this. He can handle that because he already knows it inside anyway. And once we can open our, open our hearts, open our mouths, then the the act of repentance of that lack of trust can take place. Yeah. And so as I speak, especially as I speak around the nation on fear and, uh, and like how to handle that, it's incredible how often right before I get up to speak, an overwhelming sense of fear that comes over me. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and he's like, well, of course, the spirit of fear doesn't want you speaking against fear. So he's going to use the only tool he has, which is to make you afraid. But afterward, when I, when I started feeling and realizing it, I just pray real quick, God, I trust you. And it mm. goes away. You know, I mean, and so, you know, so some of it, and there's other little, little techniques and tools that are biblical. But reality is, is we don't share because we're afraid. I mean, because if the devil can keep us afraid he he doesn't care whether or not we worship him. he just doesn't want us worshiping God. So mm-hmm. if he could just keep us from doing that, then he wins. Right. You know? <laughs> so, so we have to overcome that peace
0: there's like a quote that's like, if he can't if he can't make us like believe, like trust in him, then we'll just he'll try to like, make us ineffective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like, if I, if you, if I can't pull you over to my side, then I just don't want you doing any good for your side. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and then, and even then it's like, okay, so yeah, if I lose one, that's fine because I mm-hmm. gained another 20 talents that one. Right. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. I mean, it's just, and, and, and using that fear, so when you have everything crashing and burning and all that stuff, just realize that that, that that fear is just to keep you from handling it a certain way. And once you trust God, you will see his faithfulness go. He, it's like a bungee cord tied around your ankles. You, you're falling to the rocks below and and you think that I'm going to hit the rocks. You mm-hmm. don't feel the cord. You, know, you don't know that. And you're just rapidly hitting the bottom and all of a sudden you get jerked back up. You don't mm-hmm. know where you're going. The jerk isn't always pleasant. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, and yeah, and you make in a different direction, but he's not going to let you hit the rocks,
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's so important it, what's interesting is that 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 attempt at uh like disqualifying or making us ineffective can look different for so many people, you know yes. so and I think it's so important to recognize it for what it is and and it's so funny that you said that about before you talk that that overwhelming fear would come upon you and that you woke became a that your friend helped you become aware of what that was because I just had that experience like a week ago where anytime I'm gonna speak or teach I get I struggle with like severe fatigue like I get so (laughs) so so tired and I struggle with some like fatigue like right like health stuff and so I would just be like man I'm just so tired like I you know and my friend was like have you ever noticed that your fatigue kicks in real hard? And it's, it's not psychosomatic. She was like, do you realize that it kicks in when you're about to like teach when you're about to tell people about Jesus? And so she and I have both really started really intentionally praying the days that I know I'm going to teach against that. And it's like, what the heck? Like, how he'll do anything. He'll make you tired. He'll make you fearful. He'll make you angry. He'll, you know, like he's going to use whatever he can. And I think taking those thoughts captive and, and knowing that like in God, you, he doesn't have any power here and identifying what it is. I think it's so important.
1: You know, and and you, know, you say the anger, I can't tell you how many times that I was going to speak at a, at a group at a luncheon and then, and walk into the restaurant and I'm like, what are y'all doing today? Like, I mean, y'all doing everything you possibly can to infuriate me, make me angry. And if I get angry, then I'm like, I'm driving, I'm feeling guilty the whole way. And I'm like, no, this is not how it works. You know, mm-hmm. and, and <laughs> so, yeah. so, yes, you know, you know, the Bible tells us the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful among all things. I can't remember. It's in Jeremiah 17 or Jeremiah 12. I can't remember where, but it's in Jeremiah. Heart is desperately wicked and deceitful among all things. You know, So when the Bible tells us to guard our hearts, it's because it's desperately wicked and deceitful. So when we start feeling these emotions, it's deceitful. Mm-hmm. And we have to recognize that deceit. And you take somebody like Jeremiah, who really had to understand that you know, scared, talking to people when things appear to be on the surface, you're living in prosperity, et cetera. And by the way, you're all going to be destroyed. And I'm not even, I'm not even allowed to pray for you anymore. You know, the emotions that he had to feel as a human being, oh my goodness, I can't imagine. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah.
0: no, absolutely. No, I think that's so, I think all that is so good and so important. Um, we close out every episode with rapid fire questions. Okay so no pressure. <laughs> um, do, you, real slowly? Right? <laughs> do you know your Enneagram type?
1: Uh, you know, yeah. I forgot what it is though. My, my wife had me do it and I want to say it's an eight or something. I really don't know. I could be wrong, but yeah. I think it's an eight. Um, That's what I
0: am. So that would be okay. really funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your coffee order?
1: Uh, just simple black coffee. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm about as simple as they come. If I put cream in it, it's too bitter, but most of the time it's just black coffee.
0: Yeah. I love that. And what, if you could have any superpower, what would it be?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, wow. I never really thought about superpowers. I guess really probably the, 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 you know, I never really even thought about it. I would say to fly yeah, You know, I've always, you know, I've just always kind of would, would think it'd be really cool and I just don't like driving in traffic. It'd just be really right? neat to say, you know, I'm going to get from here to there and I can get there in 20 minutes as opposed to having to be stuck in traffic for an hour and a half. I'm here
0: um, for so, that. Yeah, I'm here for some flying. Yeah, I'm here for that. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for coming on this show. I'm so glad we were able to have this conversation. Tell people where they can find you, where they can follow you, where they can uh, get your book.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you can always get on our, our website, afraid to trust.com and in, in on, on there, there's a contact us. You can con- actually contact me directly. I'll respond to any, any, anything comes across. So if you need a prayer, you need anything, you can always contact me there. You can order our books from that. Um, the link actually takes you to our restaurant stuff so you can even order food um, that that we can ship um, through that site um, as well and um, so you can contact me that way I'm on Twitter Uh, my Twitter handle is at stake justice that goes back to the restaurant and my law background and and I was on Twitter long before I got saved so um, but anyway so those are those are kind of really the best things on on how to how to get in touch with me but easiest way is like sit through the website afraid to you can also get the book on amazon so
0: perfect many, we'll link all of that in your show description thank you so much
1: i appreciate it. thank you again for having me on
0: all right that's it for this week thanks for tuning in to another episode of the crappy christian podcast and hey by the way if you super loved it can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening that'd be awesome all right see you next week